You're listening to Coding Blocks, Episode 12. Subscribe to us and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, and more using your favorite podcast app. Visit us at codingblocks.net where you can find show notes, examples, discussion, and more. And send your feedback, questions, and rants to comments at codingblocks.net and follow us on Twitter at codingblocks and on Facebook at facebook.com slash codingblocks. And with that, welcome to Coding Blocks. I'm back with my voice. I'm Alan Underwood. I'm Joe Zach. And I'm Michael Outlaw. And today, today's going to be just a water cooler discussion. Yeah, we, um, we've been talking a little bit about uh, a few things, um, you know, kind of what we want to be when we grow up and what it's, uh, what life's like for new developers. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. I'm, not, I'm not growing up. Oh. I refuse to grow up. Uh, it's nice to dream, isn't it? What? what? <laughs> like my wife's grandma had, <laughs> she once said, I don't I didn't plan on mentioning this, but um, um, my wife had asked for something, and and her grandma told her that it was it was good to want things. <laughs> nice. Is this like the people in hell want ice water? Sounds about right. Doesn't mean they get it. Yeah, something like that. It's good to want things. Yep. Yeah. So with that, we have some podcast news today. Uh, what we got? Yeah. First off, um, I mentioned an article on the last post, uh, our last episode about um, signing packages in NuGet and kind of what to do with your keys and how it's a pain for open source. And got some really nice comments from Peter and Vlad. And uh, you can check that out on the blog post. We'll have a link to it. But uh, basically, they both told me the same thing, which was, um, of course, you have to use the same oh. key. Yeah. So uh, my little strategy there of just generating a new one every time uh, definitely loses the authentic- authenticity factor. So not such a great idea. But hey, you live, you learn. And also, I uh, wanted to mention um, the SwedishCoder.net. This is a guy we've mentioned on the podcast before, Patrick Dahlin. And uh, he is actually getting really close to having listened to 365 podcasts. And if you go to his blog and kind of scroll through, you'll get to see he's actually written notes on each one. And I thought this was really cool because that's a lot of time. When you think about 360, you know, generally an hour worth, uh, like I don't even know how many weeks that is. But that's a lot of time to really invest in yourself. And I thought that was really cool that he actually took the time to write up the notes about it. And so we probably actually remember some of the stuff that he learned. Yeah, I think that might be the uh, the, the more noteworthy part of it is to take the notes about it. Yeah, I mean, he writes a, a decent little post about each one of them. And, and, Can you imagine and there's writing some good stuff for every show you listen to? Yeah, and yeah. I mean, honestly, the cool thing is I went up there and was looking at them, and he's got some good references. So I'm going to go check out some of these as well. So. Yeah, I think Scott Hanselman's actually talked before about writing a blog so that he can Google himself later. Be like, oh, what's that cool thing I was looking at last month or you know two years ago, and just kind of Google it and find it. There yeah. you go. So inspiration for some of you guys out there. And also, we want to thank uh, send out some thanks to uh, Trent Apple at Trent Apple on Twitter, and you can find him at www.trentapple.com. He actually left us a review on iTunes, a five star review, as did Brock as well. Uh, appreciate both of those. Super appreciate them. And uh, another little piece of news that now, came I out. I always get stuff about a cool last name. But you got to admit, like, in this day's and age, this day and age for, uh, you know, technology, that guy's got a pretty good announced name. Yeah, yep. yeah. A- Apple's right up there, right? That's not one you forget. No. Now, um, it would really suck for him if he hates, like, Apple products. Yeah. I mean, three .NET guys here sitting with Apple computers, so that tells you a little bit of something. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, so... Uh, well, as soon as they start making outlaw computers, then maybe I'll, I'll <laughs> focus on that. Um, so uh, with the last piece of news I have for the week, it's uh, Telerik came out with a new thing called NativeScript, which is a cross-platform mobile development 
JavaScript type language. So uh, Telerik is pushing these things out. I don't know when it's actually going live, but we have a link to it, so you can check that out. Yet another cross-platform mobile development framework. And uh, also in other news, uh, the Reflection of Control article, I posted that out to Reddit and got some interesting feedback on both Reddit and on uh, the site on, on codingblocks.net. Um, some interesting feedback, some people pointing out uh, MEF or uh, the service locator pattern. Um, yeah, so those kind of similar ways of solving the problem, but MEF is heavy, man, and I don't know anyone who's ever enjoyed working with it. Yeah, you know, I mean, there were some, some of the guys, the feedback, you know, there were guys who did and guys who voiced opinions similar to yours. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's good to hear good both sides of it. So, yeah, moving right along. And uh, we're on to our show topic. I don't want to grow up, though. Should we be singing, like, a Toys R Us song? Well, how did you guys we... get into programming? Like, anyway, when, when you started thinking about working in this field, like, what did you want to be? Oh, man. I th- I started programming, I think, in high school because I had a little TRS-80. So video games is what you're saying. No, no, it wasn't video games. It was actually, you know, we had these. You know, I was taking algebra or whatever, whatever age I was in. And I was like, oh, this makes sense. So I can write a little program that I can just plug in some numbers and it'll do my homework for me. Fantastic. Nice. So that's how it started. Um, but like getting into it in the real world, it was literally we had some inefficient processes at a job I was working at. I was like, I think we can automate these. And so I took something that took typically about eight hours of a person's time in a day and dropped it down to about a minute. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was just, it was one of those, you see something, you know, there's got to be a better way, right? Yeah. Well, for me, it was definitely video games. Uh, you know, World Cup's going on right now. My wife was talking about how she didn't recognize some of the flags. I was like, yo, Carmen San Diego. <laughs> Suspect flew off in a plane flying a green and white flag. Go to Morocco. Yes. Yeah. Oh, man, that was fun times. Yep. Nice. I love that. And Nintendo. And there was a lot of stuff around then. Um, well, my parents were both teachers, and we used to check out like Apple II and take it home for the summer. And I got to kind of play around and learn on that, and that was really cool. So, so because I'm so young, it's... Hard to believe that I would understand this reference, but totally war games. Oh, oh absolutely. That didn't really inspire me. I was a kid at that point. Yeah, I wasn't born yet, so it was kind of like, <laughs> I saw that movie on like Netflix. <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, Michael's still 21. Yeah. It's it weird. Yeah. So one of the things we first wanted to talk about was this whole idea that I, I actually heard on a Mac Break podcast recently where they they just kind of lob this out there like hey what do you i mean shouldn't people almost just consider using javascript as a first language now and i heard that and i think i like twitched a few times and then i was like well wait a second this has a lot of merit to it yeah f12 and you've got it right there right uh, yeah i mean you you got a free browser that you can use it's got i mean webkit's got all these tools in it to to be able to debug this stuff i mean you don't really need a lot to get going and today I mean, yeah, no, you totally. I mean, if you want to learn how to do things wrong, yeah, you should totally <laughs> pick up JavaScript. Well, I as mean, your first language. Okay, so in fairness, it's loosey goosey, right? Like, there's no, there's no typing, there's none of that. Like, you can kind of cheat it in some places, but, but realistically, so check this out. Like, one of the things that kind of makes a lot of sense is you have things like PhoneGap, you have AppCelerator slash Titanium, you have um. Like Swift apparently is following the same type of syntax. It, obviously, it's going to be a little bit different, but you have all these things that right now, if you just really want to spend some time doing some JavaScript, you could literally deploy out to Android, iOS, Windows Phone, 
You forgot NativeScript that you mentioned earlier. Uh, NativeScript, which is going to be a JavaScript only thing. I mean, TypeScript. Now you've got Node.js, which is a server side JavaScript. Uh, hey, welcome to learning a thousand different modules that you'll have to use. I mean, it's insane. Yeah, buying even Windows apps now, um, you know, like the, the Windows 8 apps, uh, it's crazy. Unity, to make 3D games in JavaScript. So it, just one of those things I wanted to toss out because, I mean, I personally am a fan of JavaScript because of what you can do with it. I'm not in love with the language by any means, but there is a lot of things that you could do and do well just knowing JavaScript so and I, nothing else. I, I have such mixed feelings about JavaScript because on the one hand, I don't like it because it's a lot of the things that I don't like. Like like you mentioned it being loosey-goosey, you know. That's one of the things I don't like about it. I I am a fan of like the typed languages. I like the structure being there, and so JavaScript not having that, it's kind of like whoa whoa whoa. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We gotta have some rules about how we do this, right? But at the same time, it is so wildly popular. Popular. It is so fast. It does do things incredibly well. That <clears throat> it does make me want to do more of it and and do it well. But eh, I just it's not it's not my preference well i'll say this so i just recently and i know i'm way behind the curve on this one but i just recently started messing with node.js and the other day oh, yeah, it's totally been replaced by like three times right yeah yeah it's like you know two years old now yeah but i mean i took node.js yeoman and was able to scaffold now, up now an angular edon.js oh my god it, it's ridiculous but i was able to scaffold up an application and, like, seriously, I, it took me less than 20 minutes to scaffold an entire application using Yeoman Node and and some base install packages, and it's done. So, it, so I know, I mean, there's obviously a place for JavaScript. It's not going anywhere. HTML5 was trying to be the answer to a lot of things. But JavaScript is here for a long time to stay, and it's just growing. Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. It, it's definitely – okay, so I remember you know, a few years back – you know, Perl was often called like the duct tape of the internet, right? But I think that that has definitely now JavaScript has definitely owned that one now. So I agree, it's definitely not going anywhere, and and there are some things that it does fantastic. But it feels like you can't even use it successfully if you're not using some other package. Uh, agreed. You need to be investing in libraries, uh, some third party library, in order to make it worthwhile. Nobody should be writing it. Other than learning purposes, I will say, nobody should be writing JavaScript code from scratch to do much of anything, unless they are trying to build a library. Because at this point, you've got all these cross-browser compatibility issues and all that kind of stuff, unless but, we're talking about server-side type stuff. But that's the kind of... it. But I guess, at its core, that's part of what bothers me about it, though. Because you... you like, name another language that you would say that about. Mm. Uh crickets no i don't i don't know i mean so i i'll say this like even in java one of the things and we're, we're going to go further into this later but one of the things about java that drove me crazy is there were all these frameworks and libraries and and and, and so yeah, it's the same type it's the same type thing no, yes you no, can do no. a lot those with totally are those totally i i see where you're wanting to go with that okay so let's just call out like spring as a prime example right right but I, I view that separately though. That that is like a practice that has that Java developers, the Java community has picked up on and, and carried on with. But you can still, without Spring, write good Java code 
which might sound like an oxymoron to some, without a problem. Now right. with an IDE, yeah, the IDEs are so built around like Maven or other build tools now. Right. It's hard to just kind of notepad and JVAC it. Uh, it. Well, now, okay. I mean, if we're going to go talking into Java now, like we, we go into a whole different. No, but but I mean, that, I guess that's where I'm getting is you can say the same thing with most any language. If you want to get the most out of the languages, you're going to be using third-party things. Like, the most out of it. I would absolutely agree with that. So like you wouldn't do .NET. You wouldn't use, you know, you wouldn't roll your own logging. Correct. In .NET, you'd use a log for .NET or or an equivalent in Java. Uh, you know, lo- log for J. You wouldn't. Yeah, I'm I'm a hundred percent on you. you know, I agree with you on that. Uh, like a Newton soft for for JSON. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. You would more often than not, you're not going to roll your own. But what I'm saying though is like with JavaScript, it it seems like the default is you're not even writing pure JavaScript nine times out of ten. You're using jQuery or you're, you're at a minimum you're using some other third party but jQuery so jQuery is more like a bolt on though like it's just an extension to the language as opposed to well can you say that about any of them you could say that about groovy in Java you got to go like if you go angular you got to go angular all in there's no sprinkling well, okay. it here and there yeah I totally agree there there's definitely some packages where you're all in but let's get back to just the JavaScript portion of it another couple of examples that I have like if you want to write a Chrome plugin you can pretty much do it in JavaScript, right? Um, and and now Chrome OS is big, and you can pretty much do the same type things that that will go so cross it, it cross often, application type stuff. It, it it does make me wonder though too that like if some of its performance is just because like so the very thing that I like that I, that I like about like a C sharp for example the structure the the, the typed language aspect of it, it makes me wonder if the fact that that's not there in JavaScript is the reason why it performs so fast and so well. You know, because because it is smaller. Maybe I, I would think it would actually be slower though, because anytime you're doing conversions or anything, like it's having to figure things out behind the scenes, right? Like you're, it, it, anytime you do a plus, it's going to assume concatenation, unless you're telling it to do a parse float yeah, or parse int. So it seems like it would be slower and more memory inefficient than anything else. So, yeah, that's a good point. Um, but the thing is, is the the engines behind it have gotten so fast. Like Google's, what is it? Something V8. V8 is just incredibly fast, which is what Node.js runs off of, and apparently they're even improving upon that more. So, yeah, it, even even within Firefox, there's like a set standard uh, set of library calls that if you use that, then it can compile it down into native yes uh, code. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely it, it's like a necessary evil. Yeah. See, I don't see it as an evil. I like it. My biggest problem is it's so um, fragmented right now because there are so many JS libraries out there. And picking one is literally like sticking your flag in the ground and saying, this is what I'm doing. But this goes exactly to your Java point, though. You were talking about so many different frameworks and packages in yep. Java. JavaScript is – now, hold on. It's, JavaScript it's on is a whole nother way level. worse. Yeah, it's on a whole nother level. It's way worse. You can't even go three weeks without a new library coming out. It's like – Oh man, you're still using that one? No, we've totally moved on. And they all define the dollar sign. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you've got Durandal, you've got Angular JS, Ember JS, you got Handlebars, Knockout, uh, Booch. I mean, there's just Backbone. There's so many, and picking them is mind-numbing. But from just a pure learning perspective, I I have to say what they threw That's out the first on Mac, language though. The, so, but on a first because here's the thing, you can cheat. Oh oh in javascript and and several of the frameworks do that for you 
And so you can learn basic concepts. Granted, you're flying without any kind of safety net because there like is no, interfaces. Yeah, you don't really have interfaces, but they they actually cheat things right in various different libraries. But but this goes back to your point though uh, from our last episode, Joe, where you know one of the complaints about things like uh, you know th- these patterns are the. Uh, the, the the lack of functionality in the languages and they yeah they're just making up for deficiencies in C sharp and Java yeah so or you, you don't could need say that it better like JavaScript that. yeah and that's the whole thing I guess that's the beauty of JavaScript is people have built it in there because they miss it or because they they want to use it in a particular way but JavaScript's main purpose is to get things done right like it's 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 almost like you throw the craftsman stuff out of the water which you don't have to by the way especially if you're using frameworks but if you boil it down to nuts and bolts, you can do a lot of stuff with that little language. And, and that's the thing about it. It's fairly simple, right? I mean, if Made you, in 10 days. Well, until it gets big. Now, if you're looking at working on a big project, you can't F12, find definition, go to usages, none of that stuff. You know, no, you can. Uh, I mean, a little bit. <laughs> kind of. It's so easy to slip stuff into global, though. So if you do it correctly, all right. But if you, know, if you don't, and that's why it kind of scares me a little bit as a first language. Because you can do stuff really in, in the wrong way. You can do the you know the bad parts of JavaScript. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It, uh, it's definitely an interesting topic. I mean, it was it, it really got my uh, curiosity when they said that because well, because it can be the backbone for doing things like this new Swift language that came out from Apple, which is very intriguing. I mean, this language runs faster than their native Objective C, but it's very much like a scripting type language. So. It's it's an interesting uh, concept to start with that because it's easy to pick up, and and here's the thing: you'll pick up some bad habits, but over time, I mean, how many of us ever started out programming perfectly? Right? Oh gosh, we all started out with bad habits six months well, ago. Well, <laughs> I think Joe kind of hinted on this because there's a good book that I know that I've read. I, know, I think Joe might have read it. I'm not sure if you've Actually read it read yet. It, yep. I've gone through it it's a little a, bit. Uh, a good O'Reilly book that if you haven't already checked out, you you should called JavaScript: The Good Parts. Uh, it's by Douglas Crockford, and it, it's a really good book, and it, it calls out like things that you should do in JavaScript and things that you should avoid doing in JavaScript. Yeah, there's a funny picture where it's got uh, the good parts lay on top of JavaScript, like the entire language, and the, <laughs> the good parts is a very tiny book compared to the, the full-on JavaScript book. And while but we, it's crazy that you got to have that book, though. Yeah. Well, but, I mean, come on. There's bad parts to every language. I mean, in all honesty, there, there's stuff that you should avoid. Most equal, languages. equal. Yeah, equal equal is pretty nasty. I like equal equal. Not in JavaScript, you don't. Why not? You know, what? What? Why don't you like? It? Okay. You're supposed to Clearly use triple you equal. You're supposed book. to use triple equal. But yes. Yeah, because yes. it does this weird coercion kind of stuff that has oh, really cares? weird results. Equal equal is fine. Um, no, don't say it. Don't say him that. Don't tell him that. But here's here's what I will say. I mean, even though we're doing, <laughs> I can't a fi- even get it out. Even though we're doing a fireside chat, I do want to throw something out there for anybody doing JavaScript. If you're doing things at a page level, like putting function. And then, you know, my function on a page, you need to get away from that completely. Scope. Yes, scope it. If you if you were going to put methods or anything on a page, put it inside its own scope. So create, you know, my page equal and then an object and put all your functions in that. Don't have it on the page because then it's global. And if there are includes coming from other pages or modules that are on that same page, you're likely going to run into cl- collisions and overwrite your own functions. So Globals are bad. Yeah, just uh, avoid global functions in JavaScript. It's, it's a bad idea. So uh, 
you know, if if you had to develop a language, right? Mm-hmm. You'd take some time, right? There's a lot to be done there. <laughs> like how how long do you think that it would it took to create JavaScript? Uh, at least, you know, first version, or, you a, know, a day or two. <laughs> A day or two, really? Oh, wow, you're aggressive, man. I'm totally kidding. Yeah, I mean, it's just because of work fast. <laughs> I mean, most people would probably take months, but me personally, like two days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. You tell you guys are putting that out there on the record. <laughs> if I recall, Wikipedia, I think it's a week. Yeah, yeah. Outlaw's got the number. He's just dangling this carrot out there. Go well, ahead. I was hoping to get an answer from you, but yeah, it was ten days. Ten. That's yeah. in, that really is insane. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's fast, but really. And, and I'm not sure how. I know I'm going to butcher his. Uh, man, I should not Brandon talk about Ike. names. Yes, Brendan. Uh, yeah, he 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 was tasked with developing it and did it in nine in ten days. I mean, here's the thing. Really, at the heart of it, where it started, it was a very simple language. Yeah. I mean, and it's come a long ways. Like it does a lot more than it, JavaScript was never intended to grow the eighty heads that it has. I don't believe. But it just turned into when DHTML took off, it turned into what you know people turn to. Well, that's the problem with duct tape. You end up overusing it. But it's not duct tape. It's actually a fairly. You, you decent... forget that there's gaffer's tape I that like you it. should use. I like it. And instead, you use the duct tape because it's everywhere and it's quick and available and it works about as good. And you got duct tape on your duct tape, and then it just all comes off. And... But that's where the frameworks come in, and they help you unduct tape yourself. Yeah. So, yeah. But so, what do you what do you guys think of the original question? Uh, what do you think about JavaScript as a first language? Good idea. I see. I feel like I, you know someone coming out of college. If they ask me, you know, they're thinking, you know, I'm really going to dive in on JavaScript, and I, I think that's a good idea. I'd have to say, yeah, I think uh, there's a certainly enough momentum in the industry. I don't think you'd be wasting your time. I'll put it this way: um, I, I wouldn't even care so much as whether you're going server side or client side. If you want to do Node.js, I'd say absolutely. If you wanted to go client side, I'd say pick one of the popular frameworks like Angular because you won't be hungry for a long time. So that I would say that it's definitely not a bad choice to get familiar with. Well, okay, wait a minute. Are, are we talking about this from the point of view of you know telling somebody from like marketability, or are we talking about this from the point of view of like a school trying to put together a curriculum in which what should they no use? no or I'm, talking, you, because, I'm talking about because when we talked about when we said like you know teaching it as a first language i thought we meant at like a school level which they typically don't care about no, marketability no, so no, much. no no i would not say scholastic it has anything to do with it i would say from a marketability and being able to get yourself out there and market yourself to 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 work to work on projects right? yeah great first language yes i, I think it's yeah, perfect I can, for I that can stay behind that but let's go to my take conceptual on it, which was no like how much do you want to school, hate your life from a from a you know from a classroom perspective? Should it be the language of choice for teaching purposes? No, absolutely not. No, I still scheme. think I still think which one scheme scheme uh, <laughs> structures and something in computer programming. I, I still think that C plus plus was excellent for that. Simply from the um, concept that you actually had to care about memory and all that, whereas Java was a better OO type. Because, I mean, it was like the granddaddy of it all. Yeah, but OO is kind of over now, right? We're, <laughs> we're on the functional. Uh, yeah, I mean, that does seem to be a hot topic nowadays. Um, yep. But I, I, I definitely say from a scholarly position, JavaScript should not be your baseline. From a, if you want to start working on projects, 
it could be something that gets you into a position somewhere fairly quick. Yeah, I feel like JavaScript is great for rapid development, but not something you want to be maintaining a giant legacy JavaScript app. No way. Uh, it depends on how well it's written. Well, yeah. Have you ever seen one? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, the I'm problem, really? the problem yeah. is in four weeks, your app is about to be legacy code. So. Yeah. Well, that's pretty much everything nowadays. So, yeah. All right. right. Well, so I, hopefully we hopefully I feel like we beat up JavaScript. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I like it, but I like what you can do with it. Yeah. And there are some things that some people do that it's just flat out amazing. And I'm like, wow, I can't believe you did that in JavaScript, but you pulled that off quite nicely. Yeah. Oh, uh, so speaking of that, one of the ones that uh, people should check out that is um, fairly new, uh, I think it's famo.us. Well, God, I hope it is now. Yeah, yeah, Um So <laughs> there, there's a new JavaScript library that came out that's like just, all about... Yeah, like this hour? Uh, within the past month, I believe. They've that's been, not new then. They've been working on it for like a year, but it's insane. It's all about 3D uh, rendering using JavaScript, which scares me to death. But um, it's actually really cool. If you look at the demos, like some of the stuff that they're doing with it is beautiful. So um, that's one to look at. And, of course, AngularJS is huge. And we mentioned some of the other ones. So, all right. Mm. Yes, we have we have now obliterated JS. Murdered JavaScript. Hey, uh, while we got your Rest attention... Uh, I want to remind you to leave us a review on iTunes. We really appreciate it. And uh, thanks to Trent and Brock for doing that this time. So we really appreciate that and lets us know how we're doing and uh, what we need to improve on. Yeah, and seriously, if uh, if there is something you'd like for us to improve on, please uh, drop us a comment at comments at codingblocks.net or go up to our site and hit the Contact Us button and, and fill that out. And you know what? If you uh, do us the favor of giving us some feedback, we'll return the favor. You know, Drop us a line and... Uh, We'll be sure to mention you. Yeah, tell us your preferred mention a shout out, and we'll uh, we'll drop you some time on the show. Yeah, so it sounds like we all kind of agree that JavaScript sucks. So no, uh, no, no, no. Yeah, I thought that was what I thought that was the takeaway. Yeah, these yeah. two guys. <laughs> yeah. oh. But uh, so if you were kind of going for a you know like a traditional kind of OO language like C sharp or Java, um, then you know how do you know which one to pick, and how do you really get started with that nowadays? All right, so just, just so you guys know. We actually restrained ourselves from talking about this before the show because we we wanted to really get these ideas out there because, like, it, you could see all of us like, hey, no, 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 mm-hmm. I can't say anything. Do, right do now. we put on the gloves now and like duke this out? Or? Well, I mean, the answer is clearly Java, right? It's open source. It's got a huge community, and if what? you didn't know no. any better, if no. you didn't know the sweet sugary kisses that C Sharp will give you, then you would probably be fine with Java your entire life. Okay, so 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 this was. Uh, let me put some background to this. This was kind of spurred by there was a Reddit uh, article that was uh, you know um, in both the C sharp subreddit and in the Java subreddit. You know why would why pick C sharp over Java and then why pick Java over C sharp and and that's what kind of got me thinking about this when I saw this because there was actually you know a lot of um, <laughs> there wasn't as much hating as I thought that there might be. But uh, there was some good, interesting, uh, interesting information out there, and it was more along the lines of, you know, if someone who is getting into this, uh, you know, from the start, and they didn't pick JavaScript, then, <laughs> and they were, and they were, and they had decided on, okay, it's one of these two languages that I want to focus my career path on. Which one should I go down? Right, C sharp or Java. So, what what would be your 
your decision, your deciding factors, not your decision. We know what your decision is, but what would drive you? So, so Joe, okay, so it is interesting because we haven't talked about this already, and he already hinted on something, and that was the sweet, sugary goodness that is C-sharp. Mm-hmm. So if you were already ignorant to that, right, and, and I don't mean that in a rude way, but if, if you just didn't know you about it. You haven't coded it, in it, right. Then, then I would have to recommend Java. Yeah, because because there's there's a large community for it. There's a, a plethora of jobs for it. You know, all kinds of different platforms that you can be on. Uh, you know, from both a developer point of view, you could develop in Windows or Linux or Mac. But from a target point of view, your app your application could run on a multitude of targets. Android. Yeah. So it's like uh, you know. Not the yeah. same app. So, yeah. so, so right. well, no, no, no. But, but, but what right. I mean though is that, like, you can, depending on what you're writing, you could target multiple platforms, mm-hmm. you know, for whatever the purpose might be, with the same skill set, with with the, with that same skill set. But also, the Java community as a whole, though, there are, there are, uh, what would you call them? Like, like fanatics? No, no. Well, there are those, but I meant like programming good like good practices that the java community is far more entrenched to oh, no than doubt. like a .net community for example AOP dependency like, injection these things yeah. are like we, second we brought nature. up spring at, you know a moment ago like that's a no brainer on a java project yeah. but yet in in a c sharp project it's like whoa wait a minute you want to do what yeah. even the unit testing microsoft started pushing unit testing just a few years ago and and java guys were like what what do you guys do before that yeah, so that's what? cute <laughs> so if you were just starting out then i would say yeah go ahead and pick up uh, you know, start with Java and pick up a, a you know, IntelliJ or whatever you want to use. But because then, because the problem is going to be for free. Once you start using something like a Visual Studio, right? That that does have all the sugary goodness, as Joe put it in. Plus, combined with a language that like C Sharp that has a slew of syntactic sugar just built into it. It's elegant. It is like oh my god! It's like crack cocaine. You cannot stop. Yep. So let me put my twist on what you just said as far as wh- how I would choose this. And mine, again, comes from more of the marketabil- marketability side of things. So we live in the Atlanta area. If it were me, I would be looking at the job boards to find out, hey, what are people looking for? The, and this is just purely not even looking at the language. This is saying, okay, if I invest my time in, in mastering one of these two technologies – which one is going to see that I have food on my table, right? And, and in the Atlanta area, fortunately, there's there's good of both. I would say that Java's probably a little bit more in demand in the Atlanta area, but it's not such a disparity to where you're going to be having problems finding something to do. So that would be my first thing. The next thing that actually did drive me more towards uh, .NET versus Java was while there are these fundamental things that that they almost take for granted like spring and that what was infuriatingly frustrating for me was when i was first looking in doing java like i would look hey what should i use this or that and there were nothing it seemed like there were no fewer than 20 different answers and just flame wars broke out on all of them and so it was like okay in net you pretty much have or in c sharp we'll say you have a couple of ways that are pretty much standard that you do things like 
if if you're doing a web app, you have web forms at NBC. That's it. Like you don't really think about it much. You don't have all these extra things stacked on top. And if you're looking for um, uh, an ORM, you got you know in Java you have in Hibernate you have this my baddest stuff. You have you have all these different options. In .NET, what have you got? You got Entity Framework. Like you don't really have to look far for those extra things that you want to do. And it seemed like it was more of a standard. And that was one of the things that was really nice for me is I didn't have to worry myself about am I investing in this technology that is going to phase out next month versus in .NET. It was like, hey, this is standard practice. This is what everybody uses. Just go for it. So those two things for me really were key in both marketability and ability to just ease myself into the language because everything was already kind of standardized. I, I do feel like we should point out, though, that before you get a bunch of hate mail in Hibernate, it's actually a .NET technology. I, I meant Hibernate. I'm sorry. <laughs> not, not in Hibernate. Jeez. That's, that's what Otherwise, happens. Otherwise, the hate mail. Send your hate mail, too. Yeah, no. Hibernate, my baddest. There, there were several other ones. Um, and don't get me wrong. There, there's, there's a few ORMs in .NET, but pretty much, if you talk to anybody, it's entity. Um, so... That that was kind of that was kind of my take on it was well I mean and even you mentioned like uh, my baddest I mean you you know that exists for .NET there's a .NET port as well and that's the thing a lot of the a lot of Java technologies there are similar or competing technologies or even just straight up ports right of it but they're just not as widely adopted yeah there's there's more of in a dot, defined in the .NET community right there's more of a uh, you can see this path in front of you and you know that path is one you're going to take because that's what the standards are so that's kind of interesting but the other thing is uh, again like you guys that joe brought up is once you start programming in c sharp some of the niceties in that language just they really captivate you and then and then visual studio in my opinion is probably the best ide that's ever been created yeah, ever. What, what about what's your take on this, Joe? Yeah, I, I you know I can't go back now. Uh, I'm stuck on C sharp. But you know, if I was starting over again, uh, I think I would probably go Java. Realistically, for yeah. what reasons? I mean, oh, just you know, it's open source. It's prolific. Uh, you know, Android's huge right now. And even from marketability, you think like Google, IBM, um, uh, Oracle. Oracle's what I was looking for. Even Amazon. Like these are big Java shops. You know, like Java's not going anywhere. And C Sharp is Microsoft and everybody who uses Microsoft. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm 100% on board with you. You know, But there's just so many, it's the little things that start to add up over time. So, like, um, you know, even, okay, so I can tell, I'm, I brought up IntelliJ as an example, right? Like, in the Java world, you know, if you have a bunch of unit tests in, okay, let, let me go back. If you're in Visual Studio and you have a bunch of unit tests, you can very easily just run the single unit test that you're working on and trying to, you know, verify or debug or whatever it might be. But in the Java world, you know, if you're like in a Gradle project, you're running everything in that module before you, you know, and, and you might only want to run the one test in that module. It's things like that that just frustrate me. A little lack of polish, maybe. There's a total lack of polish. Yeah. But yet but yet it makes up for it because there's just so much, you know, of it everywhere. Well, I will say one thing with Java is because it has been around longer, there are people that have built things on top of it, like Groovy. I've taken a look at Groovy recently, and a lot of the syntactic sugar that we like in C Sharp, 
they pretty much made available in Groovy. Like it's a very truncated or a very shorthand form of being able to code the same type stuff. Well, yeah, you're talking about you're referring to like the Project Coin pieces, where where they like made uh, you know languages on top of the the yeah. like Scala's huge closure. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, you can yeah. run JavaScript on Java. Yeah, so it, they've got a lot of stuff there. JVM. And and again, there's no hate. There's no hating on it, but there are just so many. Not like Link. Well, I mean, I do like to make my Java jokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then. But but I mean, seriously, after using Link, would you ever want to not have to use Link? No. Yeah, I mean, we did a whole episode well, on it. That's well, how that's much the, we like that's it. my thing though. Like you know, in terms of like syntactic sugar though, that's what I'm saying. Like you you get so um, spoiled in you know C sharp .net and Visual Studio, you know, auto properties. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that one will spoil you, spoil you. Yeah, and I think Var. it's C sharp now. You know, I have to translate that to whatever language I'm working in. It wasn't my first language, but now it's the one that I you know think and dream in. It's yeah. imagine life without var. <laughs> no, but it, yeah, it's. Uh, but if I was recommending it to somebody who was just starting out, it, Java would be the one. I don't know. Like I said, it would depend on. To me. I would say, hey, look at look at where you want to be and what's available in that area. Listen, hey. you don't start your drug habit with heroin. <laughs> you start with an entry level like you know marijuana, and you work wow. your way up to the heroin. Yeah. Wow, there goes the PG thirteen rating. Yep, yep, it's all <laughs> off. Like instructions on how to get addicted to drugs. Go ahead and slap <laughs> the explicit tag on this. Uh, well, um, so what if you do want to switch it up though? What if you want to you know cross over to the other side or you know C sharp and Java are pretty similar? But what if you are really into Go and you're like, right, I want to start working in Go now or I want to start working in JavaScript. How do you do that? I, you know what? I, one of the things that I've always said is, you know, people say, yeah, you got to get a book. Okay, first you got to have a reference book, right? We all have them. But you're not going to learn how to do things with a reference book. No, you got to do it and fail and fail exactly. and fail. And, and honestly, one of my favorite ways of learning more advanced ways of programming is to pull down a, a, an open source project. I mean, if you really want to learn how people are doing things and doing things in a scalable way, typically speaking, not all of them will be, but pull down somebody else's code where there's, you know, 200 developers working on it. Because if it's bad, it's going to get really bad. But if you find one that's popular, then you should be able to see some good structure and find out how people are actually coding things. Open source is a great way to get your feet wet in any but, kind of language. But to recommend uh, you know, someone who's just starting out a language like Go, though? I, I don't know about Go. I, I, I mean, I'm not saying I'm not I'm not trying to, to to dog on it, but it's a little early to see, you know, how well that's going to go over. Yeah, it was nice to see like how do they set up their folders? Yeah. How do they yeah. set up their you know? Uh, Go is not a great example. They have kind of conventions for a lot of stuff like that. Even Angular uh, has a lot of conventions, but just getting started on the little things like that can be a real um, a real speed bump for people who are used to programming and just want to kind of get going. Yeah, honestly, that's one of the big frustrations when trying to pick up a new library language or whatever is what Joe just said with the uh, the folder structure. I mean, that can be maddening. It seems so trivial, but you'll see all these tutorials on hey, how to... You, you don't like that in Java you have to have 20 nested folders before you get to the file? <laughs> no. Here we go. And you don't want to look like an idiot by not having that either. But, yeah, man. But, you I mean, have your com.net.org dot company name dot www dot my package dot... But this is what it does. Dot refactor. Dot org. Dot. 
But but we've all seen these these tutorials where they teach you how to do something, right? And then you're like, well, where do I put that? Yeah. Like, does this go in the same file? Or is this in the same folder? Wait, is this the same package? Where does this go? So that's why I say, like, open source projects, a lot of times, if you can find one that's got it's got some decent traction i'm not talking it has two developers on it all doing things however they want if you can pull that down look at the structure see how they're laying things out and use it use a good ide to be able to navigate through with the thing you can you can pick up a lot of tips that way and it's a good way to learn the language and learn how to avoid pitfalls that you would have done starting out i bet user groups is really good too for new languages just kind of show up and see what they have to say and if you do start some sort of side project or something, you can kind of probably show somebody there and be like, all right, how bad did I do? I would say also meetups, right? Yep. Meetups are a great place to go to to learn a new technology and, and you know, at least kind of get the concepts, the fundamentals. And while you're there, if you'll come out of your shell and, you know, shake some hands with some people and, you know, get some names, get some contact information, then that way – Hey, when you've got a question, maybe they'll hit you up and you know. And while you're out of your shell, maybe you can like write a review about the uh, <laughs> you know about the meetup. Right, I hear right. about it all the time where someone goes to the Go meetup and you know they go a couple weeks in a row, and then next thing you know, that guy that they've been talking to is like, hey, you know, we've got a position, and uh, I know you're you know still starting out, but I can tell you know I like how you think, and uh, I think you should come uh, work in Go. Yeah, so I mean, there's definitely a lot of avenues to do it, but I I think the key takeaway from this is. You can't just sit down and read a book. You have to put your hands on the keyboard and actually try and do something. If you don't do it, I mean, even if you create your own little mini project to do something, you got to struggle through it because everything that people show you in demos looks so easy. And then you sit down and do it, and you're like, wait a second, they didn't tell me about that. Right. So wait a minute, you're saying there's something to Apple's demo of Swift? Hmm. I, I actually want to get my hands on Swift. Yeah, it's pretty. It looks like Link to me. Yeah, it, it's it's faster than Objective C, man. It, so wait, all this stuff you're talking about are, is anyone switch thinking about switching to Swift? Is that what's going on here? No, we've all got Apple computers. I mean, <laughs> we should no, but think th- about. Th- I mean, this goes back to like why I would recommend Java, though. You know, it, with Java, you're going to have that cross-platform portability, and with Swift, you know, at the moment, you're not. Mm-hmm. You know, so would you want to recommend someone a platform that they're locked into? Well, I mean, you could go with Adobe Air for that matter. I mean, you could. It's cross-platform. Hey, 2000 called. They uh, they want their Air back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People still use it for mobile development. Yeah, I know. So it's, I don't know, like, the cross-platform thing is huge for me, and it's actually really frustrating. Xamarin uh, is something that I'm really interested in, and actually we're, we're all headed to a... That's right. Speaking of meetups. Yeah, we're actually headed to a meetup tomorrow night on Xamarin and uh, pretty excited about it. I mean, the only downside is it's fairly expensive, right? I mean, if you want to deploy to two different app platforms, you're uh, you're looking at some cash. Yeah, but how much would you be willing to pay if you were, you know, to, to basically not have to spend the next six months working in Java? Or or well, Objective-C, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I mean, depending on your application, if you're willing to take the hit for that license cost, that license cost might be... You know, nothing in comparison to the time, time that saved. it might take to rewrite your application in Objective C or in Java and have a you know C sharp version if you wanted to be in every app store. So yeah, but if you're yeah. writing the the four hundredth Flappy Birds clone, then uh, maybe you don't want to spend that money. Yeah, I mean, but if you actually have a business case for it, I mean, 
It makes a lot of sense. You write one code base, and then it compiles across all platforms natively. I, I That's just, the big my, thing, natively. My only thing, though, is that I wish that it was more accessible for to the developers. Though. The individuals. That That's the problem. It's like, you know, there there is a free version of it, but uh, there were yeah, some restrictions, limited. you know, and some limitations as to, like, what you can get away with um, with the free version. Now, we, we've talked about a lot of stuff tonight. We've talked about JavaScript, Xamarin, Java, C Sharp, Go. Um, one one thing that um, you know we've talked about a little bit before is um, wide versus deep. Like uh, you know, we had Vlad on the show a while back, and we've talked to him about this too. And he's uh, he's more of a kind of a, a deep kind of guy. He wants to go in and really learn something and just kind of feel it in his soul. Whereas I tend to be more of a kind of a fan of wide. I want to play around with all sorts of different stuff, and I feel like playing around with that new stuff gets me new perspectives on the things that I kind of go deep on. So what do you guys think about that? Yeah. I, I mean, from my background, you know, wide was, was, was the nature of the beast because it was a, uh, you know, it came from more of a services background. So, um, you know, you were, you, you always had the challenge of picking up something new, uh, whether it be, you know, hardware, software, whether it's, you know, an app, you know, server application or, uh, language, you know, there was always challenge, you know, new challenges there that you were being presented with to pick up something new. So, you know, in that, you know, in a services background, why it is just the de facto standard. Yeah. yeah, and for me too. You know, I spent a long time, um, like too long, working in Cold Fusion. Now that's basically, you know, kind of dried up in a big way. And so I think if I had gone deep on that and you know really committed myself, and you know that that would have been a very bad thing. So for me, part of it's just kind of being safe. And so I think it's good to go a little deep. And so, knock knock, who's there? Two thousand. Uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I also Adobe from, was ruling the world. Yeah, I also came from Cold Fusion, which is probably why I like JavaScript a lot because it's another you know doesn't care about types. But on the wide versus uh, deep going into a language or technologies, I also prefer the prefer the wide because I like working on. Uh, you know, back-end processes. I like dealing with databases. I like messing with the UI. I like it all. And the only way to really do that, I, I don't ever want to be in a position where they're like, hey, you're working on this form over here. Really? Seriously? That's that's what that's what I'm doing? And, and so, and, and I'm, I'm, I love performance, right? And you can eat performance out of every little piece. So like you can go to the database side and you can, you can squeak a little bit of performance out of that and you go to your UI and enhance things. And I just, and, and much like Joe said, I feel like there are definitely, you need experts in, in technologies, like people, soft people, they're, they're going to have jobs for a long time to come. If you, if you specialize in Salesforce, you're probably going to have a job for a long time to come. But I also feel that if you're that guy that has a broad knowledge of things, that's how that's when you become the architect. If you're very deep on one thing and not everything, it's hard to become an architect. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree that you do have to have an understanding. I remember you know, uh, uh, many years ago, there was a friend of mine who was, uh, um, you know, he had he had his language preference and he was willing to change jobs for that language. And I remember thinking at the time, and I even commented to him that, you know, I I didn't have that same opinion that I was willing to, you know, write in like uh, a C sharp today and a Java tomorrow or whatever. It only because the language to me that you were writing in, it wasn't, I you know, who I was so much as that language was just another tool in the toolbox Absolutely. that I used. Now, 
do I have my preference? Oh, absolutely. And I'm sure that anyone can guess what that might be. Um, but yeah, but uh, kind of at the same time, like, you know, do I regret that month I spent, you know, hot and heavy on Python and then forgot about two years later because I never touched again? You know, was it that a waste of time? Well, maybe, you know, but at the same time, you know, if you go deep on something, you do get diminished returns for, for that investment. You know, each hour that you put into something you've been doing for 10 years, you know, how much are you really getting out of that hour? Yeah, yeah that's I a mean, good point. I, I, I've definitely been, you know, like, like Prolog, for example. Am I going to find a use case for that? No. But I, I say, you know, I, I know for at least me, when I'm working on something and they tell me that I have to use different technology, I enjoy solving problems. Yes. And I enjoy solving them in a way that works now and for people who are going to come in behind me as well, right? I mean, that, that, that that's why we got into this, right? It was because the fascination of like trying to solve the problem and, and making this work, right? Yeah. I, I mean, as as most everybody knows who listens to this podcast now, that that we both we we know our technologies but we also try to become better at them right so it, we're craftsmen but we are ultimately always trying to solve a problem we're always trying to either either enhance or or make things better in some way and so that's that's why the technology or the language to me is almost secondary and that's why I don't mind going wide i'd rather i'd rather be able to solve the problem with the tools available and you know so so let me ask this then how how do you draw the line how do you how do you know that like when do you think to yourself you know what i'm going too deep it's time that i like try to pick up something else or when do you think to yourself you know what i've gone too wide i need to go i need to pick something and dig into it more so i would say um there's this notion of like a t-shaped person or t-shaped developer and that's where you have a deep specialization because we're all skinny (laughs) oh but uh, <laughs> Wait, that's what you, you also meant, right? so it's basically wide and deep, and so it's kind of like for me. I think like you know, let's spend the time in the day job going deep. You know, day in day out, that's a great place for that. You know, you focus on kind of one area, but in your own time, when your own side projects or the user groups, go out and do the weird stuff. See what's out there. You know, bring some perspective back. And and so for me, it's all about doing the kind of um, you know day jobby stuff in the day, and then the weird stuff at night. Yeah, I could see that. I I don't have as much time at night now that I have kids. Um, I know days were different when I didn't have kids, but so how much time do you spend uh, in your free time doing Java? <laughs> or, Java? No, I said the weird, cool stuff. Or, or Jython, or Go, or oh, now the now the Go and the Ruby and the messing around with design patterns. I don't know. That's it's in the, in the hobby range, probably somewhere in the ten hours. Now, unfortunately, I never actually finished anything. Uh, so you know doesn't really work out too well for me but but that's not necessarily a bad thing i mean it it, becoming familiar with these type things doesn't necessarily mean that you're creating the next great application right it means that you are putting your hands on the keyboard seeing what they're all about right but i will say the things that i actually have finished have paid massive dividends okay so it's just like man if i had you know you know 30 percent less projects but i finished that 60 percent then uh, i think my life would be a lot better yeah, I could see that. Um, so, I mean, that was some good advice, though, as to how, like, how to go wide and deep. But when you really know, the question is, like, like when do you, you like, know? self-evaluate? So I'll say, like, the cold fusion thing that he brought up a little while ago. At one point, I looked around, and I was like, oh, wow. You know, there's there's this is a job market in Atlanta that's actually fairly hot for technology. But yet there's, you know, 
three buildings in a 50 mile radius that have this technology. It's time, it's time to do something else. And so that's one way, right? Economic change or environmental change with the technology stack that you're working on. And then the other thing too, is like, to me, once you get bored, then that's time to evaluate what, what else you need to look at, right? Like if you are bored with what you're working on, you need to have a passion and a drive for what you're doing. So that is probably also a good indicator that you either need to go deeper so that you have a a better understanding and maybe can craft your stuff better, or you go wider and expand your your technology stack so that you're dabbling in things that that pique your interest again. Yeah. I think that's the right answer is when you get bored, you know, that's, um, that's how you're not necessarily time-based. Right. Yeah. So when you just start thinking, you know what, it's time to move on. Maybe you end up kind of changing where that specialty lies or maybe that kind of specialty ends up kind of fading away. I guess I was thinking about it more from the point of view of like a, a, a Mad Libs fill in the blank. If you haven't programmed in a new language in X amount of time, yeah, you're too deep. I don't subscribe to that. Yeah. Time, time wise for me, it doesn't matter. It's it's more about interest and, and, and market. It, mm-hmm. Pretty much that's how I'm looking at it, right? Because if if you if you have a job a lot of people get into programming either because they think they're going to like make a lot of money or because they like to problem solve it's usually one of the two um either which way if you run out of problems to solve because your technology disappears then then you haven't you haven't done what you need to do to go wide enough the only problem that i have with the board theory though is that you could remain not bored for a long time right this is me personally and and which just makes you too deep but not is so that if you wanted to if you wanted to it? yeah I don't to know. be T shaped. I don't know. I think if you're still excited and having fun solving new problems, then then at that point it's not the technology that you're having fun with; it's the solving problems. And I think maybe that's your T is solving the problems, not necessarily the technology. Right, and also oh, okay. So you're de- redefining wide then as not being uh, like like technical, right? Then. Yeah, maybe your maybe your you know vertical is solving line of business problems or you know, like 3D graphics or, you know, whatever it is. It's not necessarily a technology or a language. I think once you hit that complacency, so some people may not get bored, but some people might become complacent. Like they just know what to expect, right? As soon as you hit that, then pretty much you should start reevaluating what you're doing, whether you need to look at other technology stacks or, or, you know, go deeper into what you're doing. But once you become where it's like almost cruise control, then it's time to kick it up a notch whether you go wider or whether you go further down into what you've already got. So what if, um, you know, your day jobs just kind of got erased and you, you know, were out there in the wild and, um, you had some sort of new project and you got to do anything you want. And basically for that month, you know, you got to pick whatever technology, whatever project, race you car wanted. driver, <laughs> uh, in the technology field. And oh, what, oh. what would you do? Dang. I, no, go ahead. What would you I was do, Joe? You, you, about race car you pose you pose the question, Joe. What, what would you do? Well, I know you know video games is always cool. There's a lot of stuff going on in the independent scene, and uh, especially on uh, Steam and Project Greenlight stuff like that. I always thought it'd be really cool to make a video game, but I also think it could be really boring to be the one making the game rather than playing it. Uh, but I also think Go is really exciting right now. Uh, also, there's a lot of stuff going on in JavaScript, and, and while I don't really like JavaScript too much, uh, it'd be awesome to be able to participate and like do these things that are user facing and kind of have real projects that people can use rather than just libraries. About you? Oh, uh, and hardware. Oh my gosh! Sorry, I just got to say Raspberry Pi. Um, mm. The uh, what you call it? The um, 
you know, the $35 Linux computer, that's freaking awesome. You can hook up, you know, machines and do things in the real world. Hmm. I, um, I think if I had to define, like, like basically like where, if I wasn't where I was, like, what might be something of interest? I kind of think, like, uh, you know, how, do they, how do I describe it? Like, like, drones and robots, like that kind of yeah. automation, I think sounds pretty neat. Mine, I think, it would be swarms of drones. Right. That, that's cool stuff. We we need to leave some YouTube links on that. Uh, I think mine would be home automation. Oh, very cool! Because I, I I totally dig like home audio video stuff and the whole idea that you walk into a room and say, "All right, I want to watch a movie." Your lights dim, your, your projector screen comes down, your freaking curtain slide closed, like that whole that whole idea, and then like you know audio, but then the control surface for that. I think that's where there's a lot of things that could be done because everybody has iPads and smartphones and all that. Have you, you seen ha- the Ring? The Ring. Yeah, you can wear like a ring and kind of do hand motions. Just the movie. Uh, not, not the movie. <laughs> oh you do God. these cool kind of hand motions, and that'll know like you know turn the light on, turn the light off, whatever. And it's just this ring, so it's unobtrusive. You don't have to go fishing in your pocket for Great. it. More gestures you gotta do. That would only yeah. work for uh, non-sports fans. <laughs> <laughs> your lights are going off. Your projectors flickering yeah, on right. and off. Yeah, it'd be a problem. But no, so I think that's what I do. Um, I, I don't really know, I, but I don't know what language it would be. Anyone's using that ring? <laughs> yeah, it's on their left hand, <laughs> like for right-handed people. Never mind. Yeah, it doesn't. Bad make thought. Sense. All right, so yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah, I think that's what I do, and I don't know what I would probably try something like Xamarin or, or, yeah. One of the cross-platform ones because I'd want to be able to do it on like a tablet of some mm-hmm. sort or a phone, so that's that's probably where I'd go. Interesting, you guys didn't say mobile. Well, no, well, that's that's, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Is that, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, that that's why Xamarin would be there. Um, maybe, maybe yeah, something like Absolute totally Mobile. Are you kidding? Oh it's yeah, totally you, you'd have to have that on tablet, yeah. right? So yeah, that's cool. Oh, another one that I'd probably be hot in uh, that you were talking about with the uh, the drones is I like the whole idea that now like movies, uh, people rent these like uh, quadricopters and put cameras on them and get these flyby scenes. I would oh, totally yeah. love to write some interfaces for that kind of stuff. So yeah, yeah, they're actually using those quadcopters for a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean they're replacing what used to be thousands of dollars to fly around a helicopter to do the same type thing. Yeah. You know, doing it with fly battery pack. of just about anything. Yeah pretty cool stuff so yeah um yeah i i think that's that's pretty much was there anything else we missed with this Th- these were kind of topics that just came up throughout the week yeah and, i think it's been a pretty good uh water cooler discussion so far. yeah i mean these are all things that we were like oh we need to write that down that'd be a good good discussion so hopefully you guys got something out of this I, yeah and if you did or didn't uh you know leave us a comment or uh you know give us a review or something let us know oh yeah oh also first off d- Outlaw has a killer resource. Yeah, so, you know, <laughs> Joe had uh, introduced me to Programmer Humor on the subreddit, which how I missed that one, I don't know. <laughs> but I strongly recommend you head over to Reddit and find the Programmer Humor subreddit. But while looking through that, I stumbled upon this Tumblr called Life of a Software Engineer.tumblr.com. And oh my God. <laughs> Is there some comedy gold? 
on that account. I was in tears. Oh, absolutely. It's a, it's a bunch of animated GIFs. Uh, it's just absolutely wait, fantastic. Wait, wait, they're animated what? Uh, GIFs is for choosy GIFers. They're, they're GIFs? Animated GIFs? GIFs are for choosy they are, they programmers. Are, it, it, the point being is that you need to head over to lifeofasoftwareengineer.tumblr.com and if you are not in tears laughing at one of those, then there might be something wrong with you. You need yeah, to have, you have your, no soul. Your, yeah. your heart checked. There's something. You got some medical problems going on because I promise you there is some comedy gold. Yeah, go here. Side. You will see sloths. You will see Eddie Murphy. You will see Simpsons and weird Russian cars driving backwards. I mean, well, you're going to like this. Trust us. You'll see Gandalf. Oh man! <laughs> uh, my favorite was the Indiana Jones one that we uh, we we tweeted out. Oh, about mocking! Yeah. Oh my God, that yeah. one was just so hilarious. So, so we've tweeted our favorites. Yes. I, so you definitely, if you want some of these random humorous things that come up, you can follow us on Twitter. Because yeah, every now and then you need to take a break and laugh. Yeah, yeah I'll give you a taste. Uh, I'm looking at one right now. Uh, it's titled "Getting a Compiler Warning," and it's got a police officer uh, holding up his hand like a stop sign, uh, letting this motorcyclist know. You know, don't go this way. And the motorcyclist uh, zooms by and gives the cop a high five. <laughs> so that's just a taste of what what should be saying on the site. It's awesome. Dude, Go there now. It, it's it's beyond. Stop the car. <laughs> I just saw that. One. Pull over. <laughs> get on your phone. Life of a software engineer. Tumblr. Com. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, and that's it for resources. We like really. Yeah, yeah. That we, we didn't have much on that this week. But. Yeah, well, I mean, there wasn't really a lot that applied to. Mm this week's topic no nah. yeah, but there's a lot of really funny things on that website yeah you, oh you gotta God. go it's there. a gold mine oh wait i will say one of the resources uh outlaw turned me on to this one this week it's also from reddit it's battle stations oh, oh yeah. man we, we yeah. talked alan had uh, never experienced the uh the the underbelly of people's uh incredible workstations and gaming stations that they've built and they call them battle stations and, uh, it is so apropos yeah yeah I, I said this to my wife and i just assumed she was gonna love it and i got home and i was like hey you didn't write me back how'd you like battle stations and she just said you're not getting six monitors <laughs> but if you really if you really want to torture yourself what you need to do is, so okay so there is the battle stations subreddit that alan's referring to so you can head over to reddit and look for that but Go do yourself a favor and go to Google and search for best of Reddit battle stations. The top five. Oh, and man. oh my God. Oh, there, there, there's like one of the top results that came back. I think it might have been the top result that came back. And uh, it's got like top 10 uh, you know, battle stations that were listed on Reddit. And I think it's, it's kind of old. You know, that, that story might be maybe it's old. a year old. Yeah. But uh, still. They're beautiful. Oh my god! You'll want them. You'll want all of them, and you'll want a room in each each room of your house. To believe that, like to be this there. is the computer that some people just like come home to. Yeah, is incredible. Oh man, it, it's it's truly fantastic stuff. So yes, apparently I've been lost on the interwebs for a long time and found that. So it also makes me want to like program like a battle station simulator where you could just kind of like create your dream setup and hardware and like you know take screenshots of it and uh post it on the internet here comes a sketchup article <laughs> yeah there's yeah. my next startup idea yep all right so now we're getting into the tips of the week yep and uh, i uh, get to go first because uh i was the first one to write this down but gliffy <laughs> is an awesome free tool for uh, making things like flow charts, UML diagrams, wireframes, um, network charts, sitemaps, all sorts of stuff, and it's only really free for um, like you know kind of limited type things. Like uh, you can't really have a lot of private graphs and stuff like that. And there's you know some cheap accounts and 
Uh, this is an Atlassian product too, so uh, that's awesome. But uh, yeah, uh, Gliffy dot org dot com. Uh, I think it was dot com. Dot com. Yeah, dot Gliffy dot com. Org dot info. And dot Gliffy G L I Gliffy dot package dot yeah, Java yeah. dot hello world. Yeah, uh, spelling Gliffy is a little weird. Uh, I guess I should spell it. It's yeah. G L I F F Y dot com. Yep. All right. So. All right. So with that, uh, you know, we went to uh, another meetup. What was that last week, last week for yeah. SpecFlow, and uh, got a really great presentation there and introduction into SpecFlow. So if you haven't heard of SpecFlow, it's a, uh, a it's both a um, a plugin to Studio as well as an add-on into your uh, project that allow you to. Well, let me rest- let me start. the The goal is to allow the business owners to be able to define the. Uh, you know, criteria for your your application that can then later become your unit test. So it allows the business owners to write things in a given when then type format, and um, using SpecFlow, uh, you, you can translate that quite nicely into your unit test. And then there was also some tools where uh, in the presentation that we were given, um, where using Yada JS, they were able to take the same um, the same spec specification file, same file, and have it work for both uh, test cases in JavaScript as well as C Sharp. And you know, based off of that specification file, it's I forgot to mention this part, but it's uh, generating your, uh, your 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 the structure of your unit tests for you. So you're only filling in the blanks of your unit tests. Yeah, it was it was pseudo. So it was a pseudo readable English type business cases that got turned into unit tests. It was really neat. Yeah, there, there's a there's a plural site video out there as well that talks about. Um, I think it was called test first uh, uh, development. Um, that and in during that they talked about SpecFlow, but uh, you can find more information about it at specflow.org. Yep, and. Yep. My tip of the week is actually a SQL Server Management Studio tip that a lot of people don't know about. If you have a table, and a lot of times you're trying to figure out what columns are in the table. Uh, actually, I'll leave two tips on this because they're both kind of related. Uh, you and that's can, because uh, autocomplete doesn't work. Uh, autocomplete sometimes works. Uh, this but, is because there's no describe function. Yes, this is actually the kind of trick for describe. So what you can do is you can highlight the table name in your editor and then hold down Alt and then push F1, and it will actually bring up a list of all your columns and some descriptive information about the table. And then another little quick tip about SQL Server that you can do in Management Studio is say that you want to do a select or you want to do an insert into a table and you don't want to have to type out all the column names on your insert into you can actually go over to the left where you expand your table and then there's that columns folder if you drag that columns folder over into your editor it will automatically give you a common delimited list of all the columns in that table so it will basically copy those into your editor for you wherever you place them Nice. So, two little tips for uh, working in management I, studio. I just always like you know use the right click, select top one thousand, and then refactor that query. You can do that, but this <laughs> this is actually much quicker. Yeah, you don't have to refactor anything; it just brings it in. So, those are my tips. All right. So, with that, we'll be putting the links in the show notes, and uh, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher, 
And uh, we'd really appreciate your reviews as well. That really goes a long way to help us out and help us uh, find new listeners. And uh, again, if you do leave us a review, we'll mention you on the podcast. Uh, and just again, leave, leave your uh, preferred method of shout out. Visit us at codingblocks.net where you can find the show notes, the examples, the discussion, and more. And this will be www.codingblocks.net slash episode 12. Yep. And you can also send your feedback, questions, and rants to comments at codingblocks.net. And make sure to follow us on Twitter uh, at codingblocks where you can see uh, us linking to many funny uh, life of software engineer posts. Absolutely. And we do also do other things like that. Yep. No, it's mostly just it's not as good as yeah. <laughs> software. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah, so that's it, guys. 